Hello and welcome to Beyond the Balance Sheet, a podcast brought to you by Quilter Financial Planning. We're here to lift the lid on the world of financial advice, providing insight for those already in the industry and anyone thinking of a new career. My name's Hannah Vaughan-Jones. Join me as we address common misconceptions head on, gather advice from practicing advisors, speak with those who have overcome hurdles and hear people's inspiring stories who have chosen this industry from all walks of life. In today's episode, we're focusing on the issue of recruitment and asking the big question, why is it now so hard to find financial advisors? It seems with a finite supply of financial advisors, demand is high for the services. So we're here to discuss recruitment strategies and how attracting young advisors might well be the answer. So joining me today are two experts. Amanda Cassidy is Managing Director of the National Advice Business for Quilter Financial Planning. And Ollie Mansfield is Quilter's Regional Director. Welcome uh, to both of you to this podcast. I'm thrilled to have you with me. Um, let's perhaps just start by getting to know each other a bit better uh, and finding out a little bit more about how you got into the financial planning world and what you do in it now. So, um, Ollie, let me come to you first then. Tell us all about yourself. Hi, Hannah. Well, thanks first and foremost for having us on. It's, uh, it's really good to be doing this. So I've been in the financial services industry for about 10 years now. I joined straight out of university. I did economics and politics there. And I joined and actually started my career with a business called St. James's Place, uh, where I was focused on actually acquiring some businesses and helping some of their partner practice firms grow their advisor base. Uh, and joined Quilter actually as a regional director in early 2020. And really my remit in that sense was to help grow the advisor population, both in our network model and in our national advice business. So for me, it's been not the longest career journey possible, but it's been one where I've gathered lots of experience and spoken to countless advisors about their journeys and what works and what doesn't. Fantastic. And Amanda, then over to you. Tell us a bit about what you do now and how you found yourself in this position. Well, I've been in the industry uh, slightly longer than Ollie, um, and I know you wouldn't guess that, but uh, 30 years I have been in the industry, and I actually started as a financial advisor myself. So I'd left university, I had no idea really what I wanted to do, so went away backpacking, came back and got a job as a financial advisor, um, and then joined Intrinsic in 2006. And within Intrinsic, I've done various roles and then more recently, um, managing director of the National Advice Business. So a really good mix of experience um, in terms of years experience and um, sort of the different areas of the sector as well from both of you. Ollie, let me come back to you then to ask this pivotal question. Why is it so hard to recruit financial advisors right now? Yeah, it's a really good question. And, and the answer probably does come in a few parts. So as we mentioned, I think at the beginning, you know, the market has been declining for several years, but we have recently seen an increase in the number of businesses out there with a real desire to attract new advice talent. And one of the overwhelming sort of things that we're seeing is there is an advice gap, but there are efforts underway to influence a new generation of financial advisors towards the industry with our own financial advisor school at Quilter actually doing a brilliant job of attracting new financial advisors to the industry that haven't previously been here. Now, the wealth management opportunity across the UK, I think, is still a hugely appealing one. And some of the competition's been led because we've seen an increase in private equity investment and larger advice firms wanting to attract more advice talent. And that makes it a really fierce kind of competitive environment. One of the things that we don't look at so much is probably the impact on COVID of advisor behaviours. 
we're speaking with lots of advisors at the moment who have really embraced the new flexible way of working and they've utilized technology they want to continue down that path yeah now that's really required the hiring businesses to be agile they've got to be able to offer something that they haven't previously done before and i think that creates a difficult environment for advisors that want to sort of tap into new opportunities and it's really interesting to me that you mentioned COVID there, because obviously we're all still feeling the, the effects of this, this pandemic on our personal lives and our professional lives. But you'd think, or I would think as a layperson, Amanda, and I put this to you, that with COVID, um, that it, it would suddenly make services like fin- the financial sector much more appealing to people, knowing that they can potentially work from home, run their own business, determine their own lifestyle in that sense, and earn good money as well. So you'd think that actually there would be a big um, push towards recruitment in this sector right now in terms of a huge demand for people who want to retrain. It is a really flexible career, and I, I think there's most conception of actually what is a financial advisor what is it you do and am I nine to five and COVID has taught us that you know we we can work remotely and in fact most of us now have had to more because we were forced to but it is the brand new way of working and I guess where I'm passionate about it and see it as a massive opportunity it can be flexible around how you choose to work so if you think of women um, you know, who might be returning to work having had their children, you can do flexible hours. It's a not a nine to five job. And, and it always was, believe it or not, even before COVID, um, you can sit your own hours within uh, financial, uh, as a financial advisor, you know, you can choose a marketplace that you want to work in. Um, but it's just that getting a route into financial services, because I think when you look at recruitment, um, it's not taught at school. And people think, you know, is it all numbers and finance and I have to be good at maths at school? It's not. It's a people's, you know, it's relating to people. It's understanding people. It's helping people. And now I think with COVID, where I think in terms of recruitment, a lot of people are actually thinking about their own financial well-being. You know, the COVID has made us think of an awful lot of things. And, you know, if you want to help and support in that area, you know, it's, it's a great industry to be so, in. So what are the other myths then that we need to bust here when it comes to joining this sector? Are, you know, aside from the fact that it's not just, um, you know, uh, men in business suits knocking on doors and things like that. Um, is it also that people think perhaps that there are too higher training costs involved in retraining to join this particular profession? I think it's one of those industries that how do you join? You need to have a qualification. Uh, is it worth taking the chance to go to do that yourself? And, and I think that's where within uh, Quilter, the Quilter Financial Advisor School is great because you can then join, get your qualifications through the school and we help and support you. But I think it's more than that. It's not even the cost because anyone can get a qualification. I mean, I did an entirely irrelevant degree, but, <laughs> you know, so it's... It's not about that. You know, you can have a qualification, but it doesn't equip you with the skills to actually do the job. So I think if you're looking to join the industry, it's the the support around getting the qualification and the support thereafter to actually make you succeed. So, Ollie, let me put this to you then. There's obviously a lot of uh, misconceptions when it comes to people considering whether they want to join the financial services sector as a career. But there are also misconceptions and mistakes made by firms on the recruitment side as well. So what are some of the common mistakes that you see on a regular basis? Yeah, well, we actually did some research, myself and my team, in this exact area. We speak to a huge number of advisors around what their next career steps are going to be. And the most common pitfall that we came across was that advisors left their previous firms due to a lack of support. That was one of the things that people really struggled with finding 
out there in the market. We were trying to highlight how we can obviously support you here at Quilter. And when I talk about support, it was actually about having a development framework in place for you as the advisor. So the proposition didn't deliver on what it promised. I didn't so like get a enough one A career one. trajectory, do you mean? As in like, where do you go next? Yeah, where do you go next? Are you getting the right level of support on a day-to-day -day basis? Are you getting enough face time with the principal of the firm you're joining? Are you getting enough mentorship and guidance? These are the things that we were seeing quite commonly weren't being delivered across the industry. People wanted to be supported. They wanted the chance to build businesses. They wanted the chance to see more clients. And one of the big things that people were coming and saying to us is, I thought I was promised this on my recruitment journey and actually it hadn't been delivered to me. So the big standout one, really, the big pitfall is deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on. And we were seeing across the industry that actually that was probably overlooked. And as we mentioned at the top, you know, with a marketplace that's so competitive, it's really pivotal that if you say you're going to bring someone in, you want to keep them where, keep them there and retain them and give them the right environment to kick on to the next level. And presumably then that includes things like working benefits as well. Yeah, absolutely. Contract is always going to be a really important piece of the puzzle, but remuneration only plays one part of it. So it's actually a much bigger picture of making someone feel that they're in the right environment for them to grow and develop as an individual. So we were finding that that was the area where people were falling into pitfalls out there, our competitors. And that's something that we've really worked on both within our network and in our national advice business to try and shore up. I understand that the Quilter Financial Advisors in particular is, is looking for young advisors, looking to recruit young people. Why is that, Amanda? And, uh, and then perhaps we can come on to perhaps some of the, um, the misconceptions around young people joining the industry and, and the, so, the sort of prejudice that perhaps they face when, they, when they're starting their career. I think for me, I'm passionate about it, uh, Hannah, because we know there's a massive advice gap out there. We know we need uh, financial advisors, and this is an excellent career. I mean, when I, I think myself, I've started as an advisor and an IMD, so it doesn't matter. There's different career paths should you remain to stay as an advisor or, or go down different tracks. Um, but also people buy from people and to buy from people and get advice from people, you need to trust and relate to them. And, you know, young advisors coming in, there's a misconception they can only deal with younger people. They, you know, they can deal with uh, all age groups of all walks of life. And I think we absolutely need a diverse workplace and going back to you know I succeeded because I had a really good mentor when I joined this industry who really took me under their wing and helped and supported me and I want to give that back and I want the national to be a home whereby a, a new young inexperienced um, advisor can come in and thrive because you know going back to your previous point about misconceptions it's untested you know, some people are frightened to take that chance because you're bringing someone in who hasn't done the job. You know, will they succeed? Is it worth that time and effort? And I absolutely believe it is. So for me, building on Ollie's point, I want to have the infrastructure in the national to support a new joiner to give them the tools that they need to succeed. And what are those sorts of tools when they're faced with, you know, needing to be equipped with the with you know twenty years of experience in the space of two months, so that they can actually start to build their client base. How do you do that to instill confidence in them, in that new person in the profession, but also in their their prospective clients as well? And and there's a number of things that we offer there. Because number one, coming in as a brand new advisor, you don't have any you don't have an established client banks. Who do you go to see? So within the national, we have got um, a lot of affinity connections. We actually do provide leads 
to help the help that new advisor on their journey, giving them people that they can go and see and give advice to. We also want to make it easy for them to do business. So we would offer a power planning service that they can use to help them package up their cases. Um, and also we have got um, a management support structure. So every advisor coming on board has got a manager uh, who's there you know, to help them establish their own objectives. What is their development plan? What is it they want to earn? And you know, have regular one-to-one -one meetings and just staying close to them. There's a, a body and up system uh, that you know, you've got a case, it's the first time you've come across it. Who do you talk to? Who can, can help and support you? You know, we've got a team of business support managers who are there just to do that. You can run by cases and they'll actually show you how to transact it. And also uh, we have like business consultants. If you want to go into a new area and you don't know how, you might want to choose a different specialism. It could be a retirement market. It could be inheritance tax planning. You know, it's how do I do that? What, what skills do I need? What do I need to read up and learn about? Um, so we would offer all of that. And I think also in the school, again, you have got that development um, structure, even through the FAS uh, school, because we actually support you then if you do want to go on and become chartered. So, you know, it really works with you from the day you get your qualification to coming on board right through to, you know, where is it you want to end up as an advisor? And Ollie, would you agree that there is perhaps a, a fear in the industry still at the moment of young or inexperienced advisors? Have you experienced that firsthand, perhaps? I'm not sure I would class it necessarily as a fear. I think everyone recognises that there's an advice gap and we want the next generation of advisor coming in. You know, as, as some of the baby boomer community start to exit the industry, it's going to be the millennials turn to take over and to start looking at opportunities. But I think perceived perhaps across the industry, there, there might have been a lack of resource or support infrastructure in place. And we've worked really hard on making sure that we've got that here at Quilter to make sure that we've got the tools in place to support new generations of advisors coming through. Because actually, it's going to be around the transfer of client as well as the new advisor coming on board you know, grandparents, their children, and then their children will become the clients of tomorrow. So I think for us, it's not necessarily a fear. I think the wider just industry needs to get a little bit more fine-tuned at onboarding new millennials into their businesses. And presumably there's a sort of a, a marketing advantage of having younger people um, as advisors as well, in that you might have, say, grandparents who are thinking, I actually want someone younger who's perhaps more in tune with tech and, and the digital world who can actually advise me on advise me best going forward. And similarly, you might have younger people who want someone who's more of their peer group who can advise them about the, the, the realities that they're faced with. Yeah, absolutely. Intergenerational planning is a big thing for us. And we want to make sure that clients are looked after as they go through their generations. And to do that, you're going to want an advisor that can grow with you. So it's definitely something that we're considering and we've looked at and we've put the necessary support framework in place to, to really look after that next generation of advice talent. And Amanda, I mean, you've already mentioned a lot of the things that Quilter Financial does as a speciality to sort of try and recruit young people. But is there something that Quilter does that's specifically different to other other places, for example, that make that sort of makes you stand out from the rest? It's interesting because I, there's 48 percent of our students now on the Quilter Financial Advisor School aged between 18 and 30. So we are getting a really good uptake of younger people wanting to join the industry. And I think one of the reasons that they are looking to join somewhere like the national uh, advice business obviously that, that I'm part of, it is because of that infrastructure. 
we are there to support you all the way. And, and I think if you're looking at it, thinking, how will I succeed? What is that journey? How can I set someone up for success? That's what you know, we spend a long time doing. And you need a really strong proposition because coming in as well, you know, you want to be able to, you know, find it easy for you to be able to transact in that space, but also to have a good service offer that you can then um, provide to your the end customer. And again, we have got that. And I think that's really important that you can come in under, you know, the culture brand, the name, that protection and feel safe in the advice that you give because we, you know, we give that protection and that guidance. And Ollie, let me come to you on this final thought, really. If you were to give one sort of golden piece of advice to someone um, when it comes to recruitment, what would it be? This is for firms looking to recruit people. Yeah, I think I touched on it earlier. For, for me, it's all about deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on. So we've worked incredibly hard in building propositions that we know that we can deliver. We know that there'll be no surprises for new joiners when they come and sit down and they start interacting with their clients. And it's really important that once you've created your advisor proposition, you know that all of the elements of that you can put into place, you can put into practice, and that an advisor will feel that they've got everything that they signed up for, you know, because the competition's huge. So if they're not happy and they're not well looked after and they're not well supported, they'll go elsewhere. So for us, it's all been about how do we give you enough of the right stuff and deliver on our promises? So that's it. Deliver on what you say you're going to deliver on would be my number one takeaway. And that's so important. I mean, across all sectors, to be honest, isn't it? It's not just about recruiting. It's about retaining as well. Um, and so making sure that, as you said, deliver on your on your promises. Really, really good piece of advice there. Um, Amanda, same question to you, then. If you had to give one piece of advice to firms looking to recruit right now to this sector, what would you say? I would say don't give up because this is a really exciting industry. There is huge opportunity. There is loads of people more than ever wanting advice. But you know what? It's tough. It is. You know, it's tough in terms of you need to be committed. You need to be hardworking. There's a lot to learn. You will need to overcome rejection because, you know, not everyone will want the advice that you give. And so to, to me, it is just really stick at it. It's no different than signing up to do a marathon. You will have a plan. You'll have to stick to it and you will get there. But it's just having that endurance and the stickability. And, you know, it is a really exciting journey if you want, want to work hard. Gosh, good advice there for, for prospective marathon runners and financial advisors as well. <laughs> I'm not sure if you're always going to get there in the, in the, on the marathon side of things, though. Hopefully you would in this sector. It just um, might take a little bit longer for some. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, look, thank you both so, so much to Ollie and to Amanda. Um, we've had a really interesting, brilliant chat, and I really appreciate your perspectives and your advice as well. I'm sure everyone listening uh, to this will feel exactly the same way and um, thank you to our listeners for joining us today for beyond the balance sheet it's brought to you by quilter financial planning you can find us at www.quilterfinancialplanning.co.uk or our advisor school is www.quilterfaschool.co.uk and subscribe to this podcast through your preferred platform i'm hannah vaughan jones thank you so much for joining this conversation <laughs>